0: In 67 CE, the Roman Empire fought an intense war against the Jewish people. As the story goes, the Roman army captured a Jewish general and historian named Flavius Josephus after descending on his home region of Judea.
1: In prison, Josephus knew he could be killed, so he allegedly came up with a brilliant lie to spare his
0: life, one based partially on the truth. Josephus knew of a devout religious group called the Essenes. And one day, he told a Roman general named Vespasian they had predicted the Romans would defeat Jerusalem. He added that they knew his fate. One day, Vespasian would be Rome's next emperor.
1: It's unclear if the Essenes actually foresaw these events or if Josephus made the prophecy up. Either way, it saved his life. Vespasian let him live, but kept him prisoner.
0: Two years later, Josephus's predictions came true. Roman Emperor Nero died by suicide, and Vespasian was next in line for the throne. Then, just as Josephus had claimed, the Romans defeated Jerusalem. If this
1: story is true, it suggests the Essenes may have had the gift of prophecy. And that's just one claim that's been made about them over the years. Others alleged they helped shape Christianity from its beginning. Or, they founded an ascetic commune outside of Jerusalem. Or, they stashed an amazing treasure in or near the holy city. We may never know the truth of these allegations, but we might find clues in the manuscripts the Essenes reportedly left behind. The Dead Sea Scrolls.
0: Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a Spotify original from ParCast. I'm your host, Molly.
1: And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know, but in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer.
0: Every Tuesday and Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify.
1: This is our final episode on the Dead Sea Scrolls, some of the oldest documents ever found.
0: Last time, we discussed how a shepherd first discovered the scrolls and the ways historians struggled to decipher the fragments. Some manuscripts were damaged and others used language so ancient nobody knows how to translate it today or what secrets are waiting to be decoded.
1: This time, we'll explore two possibilities regarding who wrote and hid them. Then we'll discuss the claim that one scroll leads to buried treasure.
0: We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us.
2: This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be.
1: About 2,000 years ago, a group hid hundreds of priceless religious texts in caves along the Dead Sea's West Bank. And frankly, that's all we know for sure.
0: Historians, politicians, and religious leaders have debated the Dead Sea Scroll's origins since their discovery in the 1940s. The scrolls could potentially reshape our understanding of the origins of major world religions and even humanity.
1: To understand their potential significance, we need to take a step backward in time.
0: Around 586 BCE, Babylon's King Nebuchadnezzar invaded Jerusalem. The soldiers ravaged the city and destroyed the Temple of Solomon, a massive structure roughly 20 stories tall and 180 feet long. The temple was more than a building or an ordinary house of worship it was the center of Jewish religious life.
1: The temple was so important, today it still represents a way for historians to measure time periods in Jewish history. They called Nebuchadnezzar's assault the end of the first temple era.
0: During the invasion, the army took thousands of Jewish people hostage. A half century later, the Persian conqueror Cyrus II defeated Babylonia and freed the captives.
1: Immediately, they returned to their homeland and began rebuilding their temple. They completed it in 515 BCE.
0: This marked the start of the second temple era, during which the Dead Sea Scrolls were hidden.
1: Evidence suggests that during the Jewish exile, the massive nearby Qumran structure was empty. As we discussed last time, we're unsure why it was originally built. Some archaeologists suggested it had been a military fortress. Others thought it was a luxury villa. Some evidence pointed to its use as a pottery factory
0: or warehouse. It may have served multiple different purposes and housed generations of inhabitants over the years. This seems especially likely because in the early 100s BCE, an unknown population moved in. They rebuilt Qumran and expanded it, constructing multiple living and dining rooms, kitchens, pantries, and the iconic tall stone tower.
1: Most importantly, they added a series of small aqueducts that fed baths around the area. We still don't know what purpose the baths served, but we do know they weren't in use for long.
0: A historian named Flavius Josephus, who we'll discuss more later, wrote of a serious earthquake that hit the region around 31 BCE. Archaeological evidence suggests the structure caught fire around the same time, likely as a result of the earthquake. It also may have cracked one of its stone staircases.
1: Modern historians believe the people abandoned Qumran rather than repair it. But this is where history gets murky, in part, because it's unclear who lived in Qumran in the final years of the Second Temple era.
0: One group has emerged as the most likely suspect, the Essenes.
1: Much of what we know about the Essenes comes from ancient historians like Flavius Josephus and Pliny the Elder. However, the Dead Sea Scrolls authors also wrote a bit about their own history.
0: One document, called the Damascus Scroll, was originally written sometime in the 1st century BCE. It discusses the Essenes' past, but the narrative is vague and steeped in religious terminology.
1: This was a common practice at the time. For example, many researchers now believe the Bible's Book of Revelation, written in the 90s CE, was an allegory of the contemporary political situation in Judea. The Dead Sea Scrolls may have been no different.
0: The Damascus scroll tells of some kind of schism within the Jewish priestly class. The scroll's authors were disgusted by what they perceived as serious corruption in Jerusalem.
1: As the story goes, the scroll authors left the city to establish their own unique branch of Judaism. But divorced from their religious leaders, they felt lost and unrooted. Eventually, a man known as the teacher of
0: righteousness took the lead. Unfortunately, the exact identity of the teacher was lost to history, but he likely presided over the group when they found their new permanent settlement, which is believed to be Qumran.
1: The Roman historian Pliny the Elder said the Essenes lived along the West Bank, but far enough away, they couldn't smell the Dead Sea's stench. This description fits Qumran, located a mile from the shore. Pliny also described their isolated monastic lifestyle, saying they had, quote, only the palm trees for company.
0: But that's not exactly true. They also had each other. The Essenes lived as perfect equals, bound by a shared philosophy. They despised slavery, wastefulness, materialism, selfishness, animal sacrifice, and even spitting.
1: Most of all, the Essenes avoided pleasure whenever they could, believing it corrupted the soul. This was one of their core values, and it defined nearly every aspect of their lives.
0: But their strict rules didn't stop the Essenes from eventually gaining a sizable following. Over the years, travelers from different regions of Judea stopped by the Essenes' stronghold. They were impressed with the group's simple way of life and wanted to come aboard.
1: Any man who wanted to join the Essenes was free to do so, after going through their initiation rituals, of course. Once purified by the ritual baths and meals, the newly minted Essene would be granted
0: the sect's sacred, secret knowledge. It seems this wisdom was the only thing the Essenes valued as much as their spiritual purity. In fact, some believe they cherished it so much, they hid it away when their way of life was threatened.
1: The stories suggest the Essenes would have done anything to make sure their texts didn't fall into the wrong hands. And the extreme steps they took may have ensured their documents survived for thousands of years, even after every member was potentially slaughtered.
0: Coming up, the Essenes face extermination.
3: Hi, I'm Christine Schiefer. And I'm M. Schultz. We're the hosts of Rituals, the new Spotify original from Parcast. If you've heard our podcast, And That's What We Drink, you know we are no strangers to true crime and the paranormal. We're also into the occult uh, to chat about. Not to join, but, you know, to, to learn and educate. <laughs> Every Monday on Rituals, we're journeying through mystifying stories of sorcery, alchemy, Satanism, and more, and trying to determine if the dark arts of the past impact us today. Like weather witches? Who were they? Or the Fountain of Youth? Address, please. (laughs) Don't forget about werewolf trials, Em. Objection, Christine. Let's not give too much away. And instead, let's tell everyone to follow our new podcast, Rituals, free and only on Spotify.
2: This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all.
1: In the first century BCE, the Essenes purportedly lived in Qumran, where they practiced asceticism and valued the pursuit of knowledge. Many believe they likely wrote the Dead Sea Scrolls.
0: This speculation wasn't solely based on the group being at the right place at the right time. Archaeologists also found evidence suggesting Qumran's main tower was used as a scriptorium, or a room for Torah study. Essene scholars could have spent months there, copying the religious text by hand and adding their own commentaries. They likely also recorded their order's history and wrote about their values.
1: The Essenes banned flavorful food and avoided meat entirely. Ancient historian Flavius Josephus claimed their diet helped them live over 100 years.
0: They practiced a daily bathing ritual, forbade spitting, prayed twice during dinner, and banned women from their order. They refused to anoint themselves with oils, eat meat, make sacrifices, or own slaves. And many of these practices were discussed in the Dead Sea Scrolls.
1: Many historians believe the Essenes saw Jesus Christ as the Messiah and became early Christian converts. After all, Christians adopted a bathing ritual that might have been
0: inspired by
1: their own practices—baptisms.
0: In fact, some believe the man who first baptized Jesus, John the Baptist, was an Essene at some point. Or at least, he was familiar with their ways. Records suggest he lived near Qumran and ate an unusually strict and ritualized diet.
1: Historians also noticed the similarities between the Essenes and the teachings of Jesus Christ. One short paragraph from a Dead Sea Scroll resembled a section of the Gospel of Luke.
0: Perhaps the Essenes influenced early Christian philosophy rather than the other way around.
1: Of course, historians wouldn't have discovered this similarity if the scrolls weren't so well-preserved. A huge number of tightly sealed clay jars kept them in good condition for over two millennia.
0: The protection of sacred texts has always been an important facet of Judaism. And for many, clay jars were the method of choice. The Book of Jeremiah described preserving important documents this way.
1: Since the Essenes were likely an offshoot of mainstream Judaism, it's likely they followed this tradition too.
0: Of course, we can't say much for sure due to the limited records about the Essenes and their world. Our main source for much of this time period is a historian we mentioned earlier, Flavius Josephus. He was a Jerusalem-born member of another Jewish sect called the Pharisees.
1: The Pharisees were the Essenes' contemporaries, and they were more tolerable to the idea of Roman rule than many Jewish people which may be how Flavius Josephus became stationed in Rome, where he rubbed elbows with the imperial elite. But after years of service in 66 CE, he returned home to a very different Judea.
0: Josephus's homeland was on the verge of revolution. Jewish and Roman armies struggled for control of the region. At this point, Josephus knew more about Roman might than anyone else in Judea, so he cautioned his countrymen against provoking the empire. He wasn't sure this was a war they could win.
1: In spite of his warnings, Josephus joined the Jewish military and led a team of soldiers. But when the Roman army arrived, his men chose to die by suicide rather than risk a devastating loss to Rome.
0: Josephus surrendered, and the Romans imprisoned him for several years. As we mentioned earlier, he may have used a story about the Essenes to avoid a death sentence, and it worked. He lived out the rest of his days as a Roman scholar. Meanwhile, the Essenes themselves weren't so lucky.
1: At some point during the revolt, a Roman legion approached Qumran. Perhaps the Essenes anticipated a deadly battle and gathered their sacred scrolls and sealed them in clay jars. Then they hid them in dozens of caves throughout the area, walling a few up for extra protection.
0: Once their scrolls were secure, the Essenes supposedly ran for the hills.
1: Archaeologists have discovered a layer of ash over the Qumran ruins dating to roughly that time period. This evidence suggests Romans likely destroyed this structure on their warpath to Jerusalem.
0: A few years later, in 70 CE, the Romans conquered the city and destroyed its temple, ending the Second Temple Era.
1: Unfortunately, it's unknown what exactly happened to the Essenes. Many, possibly all of them, likely perished.
0: Before they died, it's certainly possible that the Essenes lived in Qumran, wrote the Dead Sea Scrolls, and hid them. But all the evidence we have to support this idea is circumstantial.
1: And the Second Temple period was a time of massive social, political, and religious upheaval. The Essenes weren't the only people who were reportedly conquered at the time. Judea's final days were also right around the corner.
0: In 117 CE, Rome had a new leader, Emperor Hadrian. He appeared to be sympathetic to the Jewish people and even allowed them to rebuild their city.
1: But this peace didn't last. As he grew older, Hadrian grew to detest foreign religions. He went back on his promises and forbade many important Jewish practices, like observing the Sabbath and meeting together to pray.
0: By the second century CE, a violent pattern set in. Rome occupied the region and ruled until Jewish forces rebelled and drove them out. The Romans were always unwilling to accept permanent defeat and eventually took back the area. And the cycle continued.
1: But the Judean people had learned from their mistakes during the first revolt. They began preparing
0: for war using the supplies that had been intended for rebuilding the temple. In secret, the Jewish people dug underground tunnels and caves around Jerusalem. And in 132 CE, they struck back.
1: The only information available on the ensuing war seemed to come from Roman sources. They suggested Simon Bar Kochba led the Jewish rebels, helping them fight off the Romans.
0: It's easy to imagine the victory encouraged the Jewish people. They thought this was the dawn of a new age for Jerusalem. Some even believed Bar-Kochba could be the long-awaited messiah.
1: But their triumph was short-lived.
0: Emperor Hadrian gathered military leaders from all across the empire to help quell the uprising. In 134 CE, the emperor and dozens of legions marched on Judea. And this time, the Romans were merciless. They completely
1: destroyed Jerusalem. But the manuscripts that would eventually become the Dead Sea
0: Scrolls survived. And they seemed to hint that something else had withstood the war. Perhaps the ancient people didn't only preserve their documents in sealed clay jars. They may have also hidden a fortune that's still undiscovered today.
1: Coming up, the manuscript that describes a billion-dollar buried treasure... Now, back to the story.
0: In 135 CE, the Romans destroyed Jerusalem. But the residents had advance warning that an invasion was coming. And some historians believe the ancient scholars prepared for the worst.
1: They may have retrieved scrolls from Jerusalem's library and hid them in the dozens of caves and tunnels they'd constructed before the war.
0: This seems especially probable because archaeologists know only about half of the jars were from Qumran, the rest were from Jerusalem. Later findings further support this possibility. In
1: 1955, archaeologists uncovered the so-called Square Cave, named for its odd geometric opening. Ancient Romans had camped nearby, so the excavators hoped it contained archaeological treasure.
0: The square cave sat in the middle of a sheer cliff, making it particularly difficult to access. The archaeologists needed to climb a 100-meter-long rope ladder to enter.
1: Inside, they hoped to find additional scrolls from the larger collection. Instead, they made their most horrifying discovery yet.
0: They saw dozens of skeletons, some of which were children and infants. From that point onward, the site was called the Cave of Horror. But
1: the caves weren't only a gravesite. The team also found lamps and cooking utensils inside. This indicated the spot had been inhabited, or at least ancient people had planned to live there. In surrounding caves, they found Roman coins and letters written by Bar Kokhba.
0: This suggests Bar Kokhba's allies used the caverns after they evacuated from Jerusalem, which means it's possible they also stashed their manuscripts in these caverns, including the Dead Sea Scrolls. All we're missing is hard proof.
1: The notion that Jerusalem's evacuees wrote the Dead Sea Scrolls is intriguing. But like with the Essenes' idea, we can't definitively say it's true. And there's one more
0: option, Perhaps both scenarios are correct. The Essenes may have lived in Qumran and hidden their scrolls during the first Jewish revolt around 70 CE. Then, during the second Jewish revolt, a new wave of refugees may have hidden additional scrolls in the same cave network.
1: The one drawback to this explanation? It suggests two separate groups of people, both of whom were facing imminent destruction Both stashed their texts away in the same place, and both were so cautious, their troves remained undiscovered for nearly 2,000 years.
0: That is, unless they were actually unearthed much earlier. Some historians think a few scrolls were found less than 200 years after they were originally hidden. During the 200
1: C.E., Egyptian historian Origen was studying the origins of Christianity. As the story goes, he came into the possession of some very old scrolls. Origen's sources told him that they'd been found near Jericho, where they'd been stored, quote, in a jar.
0: For context, at this point, Qumran had already been destroyed for over a century. The Essenes were long gone, and Jerusalem was still in ruins. It's possible Origen wrote that they were near Jericho because this was the largest city still standing near the site. Some historians believe they were actually from Qumran, and the documents may have been the Dead Sea Scrolls.
1: But modern archeological practices didn't exist in Origen's time. He didn't think to excavate the West Bank to find more documents, so the remaining scrolls stayed
0: hidden for another few centuries. Around 800 CE, a hunter lost his dog outside Jerusalem. The man searched the West Bank's winding ravines, eventually tracking his pet down in a nearby cave. While he was inside, he discovered Hebrew manuscripts.
1: But as far as we know, the hunter only explored that one cave. It would be another thousand years and change before more scrolls were unearthed along the Dead
0: Sea. As we discussed last time, in 1947, a group of Bedouin shepherds stumbled across the Dead Sea Scrolls near the Qumran ruins. Two years later, a team of archaeologists began to excavate Qumran. Between this project and continued searches of the area's caves, more scrolls were discovered, including one especially unique manuscript.
1: The Copper Scroll was made of rolled-up sheets of metal. When researchers cut open and translated it in the late 1950s, it appeared to be a list of buried caches.
0: The directions were vague and often indecipherable. Many clues referred to 2,000-year-old natural landmarks and physical structures, many of which had completely disappeared in the intervening millennia.
1: The archaeologists who first studied the Copper Scroll didn't believe in the supposed treasure it promised.
0: But as the years went by, interest in the Copper Scroll only grew. It may have been wishful thinking, but many modern-day researchers believed the fortune was real.
1: After all, The manuscript's text was pretty convincing. According to the Copper Scroll, 64 large caches of silver, coins, and other luxury items were hidden around the West Bank. Some valued the alleged treasure at over one billion dollars.
0: If this is true, it may color our understanding of the scroll's authors. After all, the Essenes lived a humble life. Accumulating such a massive hoard of silver and gold seemed a bit out of character. Or maybe it aligned with their practices in an unexpected way.
1: When a man joined the Essenes, he gave up his worldly possessions. All that gold and silver had to go somewhere. But archaeologists found no evidence of the valuables in the Qumran ruins. Perhaps the group stored it in a secret location.
0: Additionally, the Essenes may have accepted religious offerings from visitors. Not wanting to seem rude, they likely accepted the gifts but stored them out of sight. It's possible, over the centuries, they built up a fortune.
1: And because this group studied and documented almost everything, they may have transcribed instructions on how to uncover the valuables, just in case they needed to dip into the reserves.
0: That may be what the Copper Scroll is, a handy guide to locate these coins, precious metals, and other luxuries. It seems plausible, but of course, we can't be certain this is true.
1: Maybe Jewish priests and temple officials, not the Essenes, stashed their worldly wealth before the Roman invasion.
0: Whoever created the manuscript, the final treasure listed in the Copper Scroll isn't another hoard of gold or silver. Instead, It's another scroll.
1: According to the text, it's a, quote, inventory list, its explanation and the measurements and details of every hidden item.
0: But it's never been found, nor have any of the Copper Scroll's treasures. Perhaps they were seized during Judea's destruction after the Bar Kokhba revolt. Or maybe they
1: never existed at all.
0: Given the evidence we have today, we can't say for sure where the Copper Scroll leads or whether its alleged treasures are still buried. We can't even say who wrote this manuscript or why.
1: But research into the Dead Sea Scrolls is still ongoing. Any day, academics could unearth proof that confirms one of the narratives about their creation. Maybe the solution is something we haven't
0: even considered. Modern scientific advances have allowed deeper analysis than ever before. In April 2021, researchers at a Netherlands university used artificial intelligence to analyze the scroll's handwriting. They determined two scholars had co-authored the text.
1: And there's still so much more to discover. Today, the Dead Sea Scrolls are scattered around the world. The Copper Scroll is on display in Jordan, but many of the rest are in a museum called the Shrine of the Book in Jerusalem.
0: This facility, located near many Israeli government buildings, was built to resemble the lids of the clay jars in which the texts were found.
1: Until recently, it was believed that 16 additional fragments were housed in the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. That is, until March 2020, when researchers confirmed they were all forgeries.
0: Partially because of this scandal, almost no scroll fragments found after 2002 are considered genuine. Some believe it's only a matter of time until other finds are exposed as forgeries, too.
1: If there are any more undiscovered Dead Sea Scrolls out there, we may not excavate them within our lifetime. The caves are closed to the public, but the Qumran ruins are accessible within a national park.
0: One day, perhaps someone will find more evidence among Qumran's winding plateaus and ravines. Maybe these further discoveries will illuminate the scroll's secrets or further deepen their mystery. Thanks
1: again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries, we will be back next time with a new episode. For more information on the scrolls, amongst the many sources we used, we found The Dead Sea Scrolls, a biography by John J. Collins, extremely helpful to our research.
0: You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify.
1: See you next time.
0: And remember, never take We Don't Know for an answer
1: unexplained mysteries is a spotify original from podcast executive producers include max and ron cutler sound design by russell nash with production assistance by ron shapiro trent williamson carly madden and freddie beckley this episode of unexplained mysteries was written by eric stankey with writing assistance by mallory cara and angela jorgensen fact checking by cara mackerlean and research by chelsea wood Unexplained Mysteries stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rosner.
3: Werewolves, witches, and Arthur Conan Doyle? Oh my! Sounds like fascinating topics to discuss on our new show, Rituals, Christine. You know what, Em? It sure does. Every Monday on Rituals, join us as we explore the evolution of spiritualism and the occult through stories, practices, and the impact on modern culture. If you've heard our podcast and that's why we drink, this is the perfect pairing for you. And if you haven't, go give us a try. Follow our Spotify original from Parcast, Rituals. Listen free only on Spotify.